Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're uh, uh, excited this morning. I enjoyed our, our worship uh, uh, aspect so far in our, our service today, and um, it's good to be back with you. I was uh, gone last week, and uh, let me just say before we even get rolling this morning, hats off to Richard, wherever you are here. Richard spoke last week, and just want to say uh, he was extremely uh, vulnerable with his story, his life last week, and I feel like that is the thing that I believe we need more and more and more of that really is life-changing in our church. It really does allow us to be the kind of place where people don't have to check, uh, check, check their, their bags at the door. You know what I mean? You can, you can bring your junk here, and uh, you can just bring whatever your story is, whatever your mess is, uh, whatever your struggle has been, um, you don't have to hide it. You don't have to act like you don't have it because that's, um, that's not what I believe um, really is what a church is made up of and what God honors. And really, when we bring our stuff to God and say, this is who are, where I'm at, he already knows that anyways. So I, I love when we can be a church that's authentic and, and vulnerable. And I really appreciate Richard's message last week. So great job, Richard, if you're in here. Um, you don't have to clap for him. We don't really like him that much. Okay. Um, all right. So, so last week, you guys were here. Uh, I was on the city streets of Guadalajara with about 15 of our Teamsters that went and helped um, our, our partner church, the church that we help that's beginning called Mi Iglesia. That's just, that's just my church in Spanish. But I wanted, I wanted to show you some photos and tell you about our team's experience. We had a great, great, great time. We had a wonderful experience of getting to know each other, doing some stuff that we hadn't thought previously that maybe we would do, um, and really we, we got to make a difference. We really got to help um, Mi Iglesia, Carlos and Carlisa Lopez, gain some traction with just, you know, having influence, with them birthing their church and, and being known for a church that's, that's, that's a grace-giving church. They're very, um, Guadalajara is a massively religious culture. And people have stopped going to church and or have never gone to church. And they call it the circle of silence there, meaning that there, there, isn't, there isn't God seemingly in that culture. It's, it's a culture in a very large city that seems hopeless. And so their church is, I believe, going to do great things. So our team got to go. We, uh, on, 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 the, on that last Sunday, in fact, we were on the city streets. Um, they, shut, they shut down huge areas of their city uh, and block it all off, and right smack dab in the middle of their downtown, people just load the streets. You can't, this does not do it justice. The amount of people that ride bikes and jog and walk with their families, thousands and thousands, I would say easily 15,000 people pass by us, probably way more than that, pass by us in about a three-hour time. So what we did during this Sunday, on this particular day, we passed out water bottles. As you can see, we did here. We passed out water bottles. I think there's another shot of water bottles. We passed out water bottles. You see, just again, just a few people on the, on, the, on the streets. Cool guy in the white shirt. Oh, I think it's me. Yeah, that's me right there. Really cool guy. Um, we passed out water bottles. We, um, we learned how to make shaved ice. They brought, we, Carlos's team had huge blocks of ice. That's us learning how to um, make ice. Uh, not make ice. You know water makes ice. We learned how to shave ice. And uh, we passed out, I don't know, at least 1,000, 2,000 uh, you know, nice, you know, ice, ice cones. What are those things called? 
Snow cones. Thank you very much, lady in the front row. All right, snow cones. Thank you, Simon. Uh, we passed out snow cones, water bottles. Carlos's team had it set up where they were doing break dancing with, with soccer balls. Uh, along that day, we passed out boatloads of flyers. Just a Mia Iglesia church is coming soon. You know, where to go find it on the website, Facebook page. Uh, one of the things we got to do is we got to go drive about an hour south of the city to an orphanage. This is a couple of our teammates uh, cleaning up. We, we did just some, you know, landscaping, cleaning up. Um, and this was an orphanage made up of, of, of girls uh, from the age of baby to all the way through college. What they do in this orphanage, which is just a, a few years old, they take, I'm going to show you a picture of these kids. These are, all, these are some of the girls. I've got 22 girls in all. And, um, and all, these, all these little girls, let me just tell you about them real quick. The government gets alerted to young kids, and in most cases, babies, that have been sold off and are in the sex trafficking industry there. And it's huge. And so I asked them, how many of these girls would you say have been trafficked like that? And they said, probably all of them. And though this little, this, this girl on the right, the little one in the pink that you saw that I was holding, uh, we all took our turn with her because she was just like all of them were. They were just so eager to be held by somebody, and especially a guy. They all were hungry for a, a daddy figure. And that one, that one, that little girl right there just melted my heart. We took all 22 of the girls um, which is max, basically max capacity for this orphanage. We took them all down to a park, fed them all ice cream. You thought, you thought someone just gave them like Christmas times 10. And this was a picture of, of, of me. I got to carry her back from this ice cream shop. And she just like, she took this, this ice cream comb. And once the ice cream was gone, she took it and just like, she just sucked this thing dry. And so this is her. She fell asleep on my shoulder. And this little girl came to the orphanage as a baby and was sexually trafficked. And that's hard to imagine, isn't it? It's hard to imagine that we live in a world that desperately, desperately needs to know somebody loves them. See, what I learned about um, culture and really got, I guess, just was, again, an eye-opening experience for me, is to recognize there are kids across the globe, there are kids in our own city, there are people probably all around us, not just in that type of uh, struggle, but in all types of struggles where we, realize, where we come to a realization that everybody doesn't always have, as, have it as good as everybody else and that people need to know that there's a God who really loves them. And when you've come from this type of experience, it's easy, to, it's easy when your life's been extremely bad to say no one loves and there can't be a God because look how unloving my life has been. And so this has been, that was a huge eye-opener for us. Uh, we had a great team that went, and there we are. And uh, this is outside of Carlos's house. You can see him in the back with his hands raised. That's Carlos Lopez, if you're new to the church. And they are, in the next few months, launching officially Mia Iglesia. They've got a great team. They supported us all week. They took us all around. We ate, uh, I think every meal was a taco. Um, pretty much. We, had no, we didn't eat any vegetables, did we? There were no vegetables the entire time, which caused some problems for some people, okay? There's some issues when you don't eat any be- vegetables uh, too much in church, I know. Uh, but anyways, that's our awesome team. We had a lot of fun. And let me just say, if you didn't get to go on this trip, 
we'll have one coming up shortly. I, I, don't hold me to this, but I believe they, they, they want to have another trip somewhere in October. So consider going on a trip like this. It has all the right components of being a great first trip for someone who's never gone and a great trip for someone who's been um, a part of serving like this in the past. In fact, uh, they, they could use uh, medical help, uh, dental help, and all there in between. And so, wonderful trip. My hat's off to those of you guys that went, and uh, thanks for letting us go. So that's what we did last Sunday. So we're finishing up today uh, our series, Any Given Sunday. And next week, we'll start a new series called Too Good to Be True. We're talking about grace next week because grace is amazing, but it is true. Sounds too good to be true. Uh, When I think about God's love and the fact that God found that little girl and pulled her out of her darkness, that's grace. That's grace. That's God's love. And so we're going to today uh, end our series uh, any given Sunday, and we're going to, I'm going to show you two passages of Scripture where essentially God does the same thing. Jesus does the same thing twice to build the faith of his followers. And then at the end of today's service, we're going to do the Lord's Supper, which we do on occasion around here. But I want to set this up well today because I feel like this is a perfect Sunday for us to talk about how God oftentimes will lead us up to the edge of a decision, um, use a struggle, leverage you know, some hurt, leverage some, some, some pain of trying to make a decision, lead us up to the edge of that and remind us right then and there that, hey, I've got this. I am God, and you can trust me. If you'll just continue to follow me, I'm going to show you that I've got it all worked out, that it's all in my hands, that I'm in control, that I love you and your life and trusting me is the best choice you can ever make. So that's kind of a, it's kind of a, what is that called? That's a precursor to what we're about to talk about. So if you've got your Bibles today, Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to go. If you've got a Bible, bust them open. I know it's a little dark in here. Maybe we can, is there any more light we can raise up in the back? I don't know if that's, if we're at capacity. We don't have a very good lighting system in here. People think, oh, we've got some lights. Wow. We don't have the best lighting in here, but we try to raise them up so you can, you can look at whatever you have. We have so many smartphones in here that no one needs lights anymore, right? It's like a cool, we could be in a, like a rock concert here, right? Smoke in the air, smartphone, Bible, all works out. So whatever your device is, I see you in the back, sir. I see smartphones waving at me. Whatever you've got, bust it out, and I want to show you this passage today. It's found in Luke chapter 22. Um, if you don't have a Bible, that's A-OK. We'll have it up on screens. And let me just say that today, if you're a first-timer to Bible study, if you're a first-timer checking out church, if you're maybe given... God and the church one last try today, um, you're, you're in a great place. You're going to get to see something cool about Jesus, how he, how he um, goes before us and how we can trust him. But if you're brand new today and you've never done anything like this today, you're going to get to see behind the scenes and you're going to see us sort of take the challenge of setting the table for, preparing for what we believe God's going to do as a church. So... Luke chapter 19, Luke is the third book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, in the New Testament. Luke chapter 19, verse 28, we'll jump in right there. And setting the stage for this, this is um, time frame, historically, the week leading up to Jesus' 
death. So here we have Jesus. He's about to show up in Jerusalem, and he's about to, to, to willingly give his life away. So he's, he's, he's about to come in, give his life away. Verse 28, after telling this story, Jesus went on to Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples, kind of pertinent information that we'll, we'll talk about. He's walking ahead of his disciples. As he comes, as he came into the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Now, I want to make reference to him walking ahead of his disciples because oftentimes in life, God goes ahead of us. Sometimes he's a pretty good ways off. Sometimes he's just a couple steps ahead of us. We really don't know But it's pertinent to know that in this story, because God leverages him being ahead of his followers on a couple different occasions through the next two passages that I show you, it's important to know that God always knows what's next. He's always, always ahead of where we're at. And we can always know that wherever we're at, God's already gone before us. He knows what's next. All the curves all the roads ahead, all the ditches, all the things that we may run into or he may choose to allow us to avoid, God knows what's ahead of us. So God is walking ahead of his disciples. He comes into these cities and he tells his disciples in verse 30, go into that village and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. All right? This is maybe the first time that Jesus ever tells anyone to go steal someone's donkey, all right? <clears throat> and last service, a guy left. He said, so is, does this mean that you said that that's the first Mustang that ever was hot-wired? Does that mean I can go to Rivertown because you said so and steal it? I said, no, that's not what it means. So anyway, so this is the first Mustang ever hot-wired. So says Jesus, go Go to, he says, go see the young donkey that no one's ever ridden. We know it's a brand new one, right? No one's ever, this is a shiny, brand new, like hot-rotted donkey. Zero to 60 in like 48 seconds. I mean, it, this, this joker moves, all right? Go there, untie it, and bring it to me. And, and I'm sure his disciples are going, what? <laughs> you're, you're telling me to go into a town that maybe I don't know who I'm going to run into, and you're telling me to just take the guy's guy's donkey. Jesus says, if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say the Lord needs it, right? Baby, we need a new car. Just go over wherever you want and just tell him the Lord needs it, all right? Like you're going, yeah, whatever, all right? So here's what's crazy. They do it, right? So just, so they went and found the colt just as Jesus said. There was, ha, one tied exactly where they thought he was going to be tied, And just then, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that coat? Exactly what Jesus said. And the disciples simply replied exactly what he told them to say, the Lord needs it. (laughs) So, obviously, there wasn't anybody, you know, saying, you know, unhand my colt, leave my donkey alone. They let him have it. So, they take the colt, bring it to Jesus, they throw their garments over it, for him to ride on. Now, this is the story leading up to Christ's death. Some of you guys would recognize this as, as, as like the, uh, is what we would remember talking about like Palm Sunday. 
This Sunday is Palm Sunday when Jesus jumps on a donkey and rides into Jerusalem and all the people know that this religious guy is coming. They didn't know really who he was because he hadn't done yet what he said he was going to do. All the predictions about what he said he was going to do, I'm going to be the, I'm the Messiah, I'm going to ride into town, and I'm going to give my life, and I'm going to die, you're going to bury me, and I'm going to rise up from the dead. They heard that, and they welcomed him, and they put palm branches down, and they, they bowed, and they cheered, and said, oh, we love you, Jesus, you're awesome, you're awesome. The same people, some, that crucified him on the other end of that. So here we have Jesus, you know, setting up here at the very end of his life, building his followers' faith. Essentially, this whole, patches, this whole passage has to do with if you don't follow me, you miss out, right? Essentially, if his disciples just said, eh, I don't think so, Jesus, that's kind of stupid, or I don't get it, or I don't know if I can do that, they would have missed out on knowing that everything he said, exactly the way he said it, came true, which could be, uh, you know, a plethora of of examples and lessons for us. Just imagine whatever God might be leading you to do today. Marry this person, don't marry that person. Take this job, go to this place, quit this thing, start this thing. Whatever it is, God's building his followers' faith. So in terms of us, whatever God says to do, do it. Whatever God leads you to do, just go do it. Whatever you think God's leading you to do, if it's backed up with like it's not like somewhere like wrong in Scripture, if it's not sin, go do it. Because in the moments where our faith meets God's faithfulness, man, we experience God. So here we have Jesus building his followers' faith in the end of his life, setting them up for when he's gone so they'd be strong enough strong enough in him, trusting him, that whatever they experience next, they got, they got it. They can handle it. So fast forward just a few moments later, um, like the same thing happens again. It's like twice in one week, all right? Jump down to Luke chapter 20, or we're still in Luke chapter 22, verse 7. And here's the story of the Last Supper. Just a few days later, just a few mo- moments later, Jesus is setting up his last supper with his followers, with his disciples. Verse 7, it says, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived. So here are the foods arriving for the, the Passover. And they're about to sacrifice a lamb, which is, which is traditional. Uh, Jesus would have been the spotless lamb that would be sacrificed here soon. And Jesus sends Peter and John ahead. Notice the whole symbolism. Jesus walked ahead the first time, sent two guys away, not knowing what was next. Same thing again. Jesus sends Peter and John ahead and says, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. The disciples ask, where do you want us to prepare it? Like, can you give us some more details? And I love the detail that God gives us in his word. It helps us to just acknowledge that, man, the writers got every bit of this stuff down that God wanted him to put down exactly the way he wanted us to have it. So notice the detail here. Where do you want us to prepare this Passover meal so we can, we can eat it together? Where do you want us to do this? So Jesus replies in verse 10, As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Not just any man, but a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. When you find this guy, follow him 
all the way to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, so it looks like two men here, guy with a pitcher, goes to a house, could be the same guy, but whoever you follow, go to that house. And when the, when the owner answers the door, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? So they're going to ask this, but the teacher's not with them. So obviously the teacher, Jesus, had already preset this stuff up. I don't know if he just moved in the guy's heart, like sometimes he moves in our hearts in advance before we actually know God's moving in our hearts, you know what I'm saying? Like God's been kind of setting things up, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, that's what God's been doing, right? So we don't know if God's, Jesus kind of physically went there. We don't think he did because obviously he had to run a, a Mustang, right? Supercharged hot rod Mustang to get there. So we don't think he was already there. So we believe that God moved in this guy's heart in advance to know where this, the room would be. So take, verse 12, he will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So they went off to the city and found everything just as he had said. I love that. So they did what he said, and when they got there, guess what happened? It was all exactly the way Jesus said it would be. So these guys got to enter into what Jesus was doing to grow and set their faith up to just recognize, man, God is awesome. He's powerful. He knows the beginning and the end. I can trust in him. So in terms of our series, Any Given Sunday, let me just state this again. On any given Sunday, God can transform our lives. On any given Sunday, it could be that particular Sunday where God leads you to a whole new place spiritually that you'd never gone before. On any given Sunday, God could, could just do something in your heart that you never, you never dreamt he would do. Maybe God would grow you. Maybe he would change you. Maybe he would extract something from you that you've been begging from him, for him to do for quite a while. But on any given Sunday, God, God wants to show off. He wants to grow your faith. He wants to do something in us that would both be for someone else's future of knowing him and for our personal growth. Let me just say that, again, I shared this uh, in this series, that on a particular Sunday, 20-some years ago, was, I don't even remember what the, the, the pastor was preaching on or saying, I just know that in a, in a service on a Sunday, God pricked my heart, and I said, I will do whatever you want me to do. I was already a Christian, but on this Sunday, I just said, I'm surrendering my life to you, and whatever you want me to do, I'll go into ministry, or I'll be a preacher, I'll be a youth pastor, whatever you want me to do, God, I'm yours. I'm surrendering to do your will. And here 20, gosh, it's been a long time, here 20-some years later, I'm doing that. Because God showed up in the life of a young man and said, I want you to be my huckleberry. And I was just eager enough to say whatever you want. So on any given Sunday, God wants to do stuff in our lives. Now let's just think about this in terms of Easter. We got Easter coming up. We got Easter coming up. I believe with all my heart God is going to, this week, move in our lives and bring someone in your path that he wants you to invite to Easter. I just believe that. 
Why do I believe that? Well, because there's a verse that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son that everybody who could, he wanted to believe in him. And I believe that God has been setting this church up in such a way that he wanted us to prepare the meal like the disciples prepared a meal and basically set the table for people to find Jesus on Easter. So that's what we've been doing. And let me just say uh, my hat's off to the many, already many volunteers that have already played a role in Easter. I want to just say, I mean, there's just a lot, of, a lot of people to say thank you to. Many of you have been serving on the land team. I know Bill and Mickey, Vicki Morgan have been all over our land team, doing all types of work on our land, cleaning, picking up stuff, cleaning up trash, landscaping. Many, many, many of you have been out, out there on our property helping with the land team. Many, many of you have been out there helping on our house team. We've been completely renovating the house on the land, preparing for it to be set up for kids, a lot of kids, right? right? Don't, freak, don't freak out about that. Not all the kids. We're going to have just the babies in that house, but there's going to be a lot of babies in that house. And so these guys, we've, been, we've had people like putting carpet in and doing think, cool things on walls, paneling, paneling the walls and painting things and caulking things and fixing floors and doing all types of stuff, preparing for, basically setting the table for what we believe God's going to do. Many of you are this week going to be going out to that property praying by the rock. Many of you have shared, I've been going out by the rock praying for a friend of mine. I'm praying for a friend of mine right now. Christy and I have friends that we're hoping for that will show up and will find Jesus. And just as I said a few weeks ago, um, we, we've made a promise to you that we're going to do everything we possibly can to make it, I don't know how to say this without saying it goofy, so I'll just say it like I would. We want to make it cool and relevant and something that's going to connect with the heart of your friends. And we're making you the promise that we will not embarrass you, all right? I might just a little bit, but nobody else will, all right? So this week, knowing that God's gone before you, when, some, when, when God leads you to a particular place and you have the card in your back pocket and you go, oh, my gosh, there's a card. And here's this guy I haven't seen in like five years. And I know, man, this guy is just, he is jacked up. <laughs> He's hurting. I'm going to invite him to Easter. Just know when that, when that restlessness comes, when that like, ah, what do I do? What do I say? Just know God's already been there. He set it up. That guy's probably already had God work in his heart. You just need to go say, come on and go. So thank you to our volunteers. And also be thinking this week, God, how do you want me to be used in preparation for setting the table for us to see you work? So um, thank you to all of you that have been volunteering. And... Um, Consider this week how God would use you in preparation for what God's going to do on Easter. Now, I'm going to invite our host teams to come on up. Not our host teams, yeah. Host teams in just a moment, but I'm going to invite our band to come up. Um, during this last exchange, Jesus, Jesus, as he tells his disciples to go, you know, to that room, there'll be a, a, a table set and being prepared he then, he then walks into and invites him to sit down at this table and prepares them 
helps them prepare their hearts for what we call the Lord's Supper. Now, the Lord's Supper is our, our opportunity as a church for us to remember what Jesus did for us, to remember how he sacrificed and gave his life for ours. I was thinking about these kids that I was with this last week. And one of the songs we sang a minute ago, I think one of the songs that Stephen sang earlier, just reminded me that whole picture of the cross, his death, how that means so much to everybody. What Jesus did on the cross matters to those little girls we saw last, last week. It matters to them because it gives hope to a little girl that there really is a God who hasn't forgotten about them. It gives hope to guys like me who like, God's God, you've given me so much. And, and God, I'm at times so scared and so nervous trying to lead your church. I don't know how to do that. I'm reminded God loves me. He's bigger than all this. God gave his life for us on that cross for us to know that he is God and for us to find forgiveness from our sins. In Luke 22, verse 14, Jesus said, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. So they're literally now sitting down at the dinner table. And Jesus says to them, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. So he's telling them what's about to happen. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meeting is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And I think he, he, he was saying this to them, sitting down at that meal, to prepare their hearts for what was about to happen. So let's just say that this is the meal we're sitting down with Jesus. And he's saying, do you remember what I did for you? You remember how I died for you? You remember that you really didn't deserve any of this? You didn't earn anything. I loved you unconditionally. My love for you is not conditional. I would say that as you, as someone passes by you and you have an opportunity to take that cracker and that juice, whether you're a if, if you're a Christ follower and you take that, I would, I would in this moment just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Take this moment and thank him for loving you. Take this moment and even uh, confess sin. God, you know, I have been absolutely blowing it. And I want to just thank you for loving me even though I still blow it. Take this moment this morning and cherish the fact that you have a God who's not pointing a finger at you, condemning you, but picture a God as Savior of the world with his arms outstretched, dying on the cross saying, I'm do I did this and I've done this to show you my love, to give you grace, not so you can continue blowing it, but you could know that you could be free from it by coming to me and surrendering your heart and life to me and following me. Jesus goes on as he sat down with those guys 
and he said, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after, he, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. What's the Lord's Supper? It's an opportunity for, for people who say, I believe in Jesus, to remember what he did for us. The piece of bread that you got is a visualization and, and, and something we can remember how he chose to break and allow his body to be broken for us. The juice that you get, and I promise you it's just juice, okay? My kids get excited because it's juice. Some of you might get excited thinking it's other, but I assure you it's just juice. But that juice is for us to remember that he willingly spilled his blood for us. And as we enter into Easter coming up this next Sunday, church, let's, let's make this a moment, a real moment right now where we say thank you. We just say thanks. God, thank you for loving me. I don't deserve this, Jesus. I don't deserve you shedding your blood for me. I don't deserve you giving me an opportunity to be forgiven. God, that's, that's just, that's grace. That's just grace. So in just a moment, our band's going to play a song. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to have some time on your own to just take that cup, take that bread, and have a moment with God when you say, thank you. God, here's what I want to confess. God, I want to just say, I love you because X, Y, and Z. And then I'll come back. I'll pray for us. We'll close with a song after that. All right?